Hey everybody, how's it going? Hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. Happy Sunday. Welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast coming to you on this Sunday evening. Hope you've all had a great weekend so far. Obviously, no Arsenal game for us to sink our teeth into. I've quite enjoyed not having the stresses of an Arsenal game this weekend, um, but I've been glad that there's been some football, some football for us to indulge in and to enjoy and to watch. And there's more to come. Um, I'm looking forward to watching Milan against Roma a little bit later on. I've watched um, Everton against Aston Villa this afternoon, followed by Manchester United against Tottenham. So I'm looking to get a third game in the bag uh, before the end uh, of the evening. Um, thank you all for joining me. I know we don't normally stream at this time on a Sunday night, so it might have caught some of you uh, off guard. So apologies for that. Hope you're all good. Hope you are all well. I, I sort of was sitting there last night thinking about what we were going to talk about on a podcast today. And I kind of had a bit of an idea, a bit of a brainwave while I was sitting in Leicester Square Station last night at about one o'clock in the morning, waiting for an actual train that went all the way to Southgate. So um, I was sitting there on the platform, not on the floor, like on the bench, um, thinking about what we could talk about today. And because the subject I've come up with and the subject that I want to explore is one that I think is going to divide opinion quite a bit. I wanted to do it at a time where there'd probably be more of you online and the show could be that little bit more interactive. What I will do a little bit later on in the program, and it's up to you if you want to, okay? I will drop a link in the chat. And if anybody wants to join me, you are more than welcome to hop on um, and have your say as well. We'll do that in the second part of the show. Because if I start with that, then I'll forget all the important, intelligent things I want to tell you. Um, and uh, and we'll end up with no podcast. So um, we'll do that a little bit later on. And then you guys can come up with the intelligent things. You can rip apart what I've said in the first half of the program. If that's what you want to do, that's absolutely fine. Let me say a few hellos because I can see there are plenty of you with me in the live chat. We've got Junior, uh, NSW, Abdullah's here, Adekoki is here. Um, We've got uh, AHWR, uh, we've got Junior Lucio, uh, nice voice guy, I like that name, it's cool. Uh, Afzar, uh, Ian Wallace is here, and everybody else as well that joins us in the live chat. If I carry on with that, we'll, we'll never get anywhere. But the subject I wanted to discuss tonight is Arsenal's transfer strategy. Now, we talked quite a lot about this over the course of last summer. We talked a lot about the key things that Mikel Arteta and Edu were looking for in players. And there were a number of things, versatility, um, the right age profile. Um, they look at players that are of a, a young enough age to be worth something going forward and to still have room to develop. But they also look for players that are very experienced for those young ages. We ticked off a whole list of things, right, that we thought based on the people we were being linked with and the people that eventually we went on to sign would be or make up the criteria when Arsenal go out into the market. I actually think, having thought about this for a few days now, but really in a lot of detail and depth last night when I was sitting on my Todd in a, a tube station, I think that one of those elements, one of those things that Mikel Arteta has been super insistent on when it comes to bringing in players has actually in an indirect way caused us a problem. So on this episode of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast, we're going to discuss the problem 
with Arsenal's transfer strategy. Before we dive into the problem, let me make it clear. I'm not sitting here and saying that Arsenal have been awful in the transfer market, that Arsenal have got things horribly wrong, generally speaking. I think generally speaking, Arsenal have been really good when it comes to recruitment over the last few years. But at the same time, we've spent a lot of money. Um, You know, we have managed a big turnover in the squad and we end up in a position where even now I look at certain areas of our team and I think we're not quite good enough there. And if we're not quite good enough in the starting 11, you know, then that's obviously a major problem. But I think because of the nature of football nowadays, there's so many games, so many competitions and all the rest of it. I think that you also need to be good enough in terms of what you can bring on to backfill some of those positions when you're suffering with injuries, suspensions, needing to rotate due to fatigue and all the rest of it. Now, if we start off with trying to get into kind of Mikel Arteta's head, and again, you know, there are positives to highlight, but the purpose of this show is to try and identify what I believe to be a problem and to try and, well, I've identified it in my own head, but to try and articulate to you guys what I think is a problem. So forgive me if I sound like I'm being overly negative, but I I do think there is an issue here and it's one that I hadn't really thought of too many times before. Um, It did cross my mind once. I remember having a conversation with somebody about it. Um, I don't think we spoke about it on a podcast, but I think this is something that is causing us a problem at the moment. So I mentioned all those things, right? I mentioned the things that I think Mikel Arteta is really big on when it comes to recruitment. One of them, one of them is versatility. Bear with me a second. Has my volume gone funny? Because my microphone volume's like jumping up and down all over the place by itself. I don't know what's wrong with it. Anyway, one of the problems I think is that we've got an over-reliance in this squad on versatility. Versatile players are great. You know, you want players that can cover you in more than one position. You want players that can cover you, um, you know, when someone else gets injured, when um, one of your best players is absent. You want someone that maybe can be a bit of a chameleon and chop and change and take up different positions and different roles and all the rest of it. Do you know what, guys? Give me one second because my microphone's just playing up. Just give me one second. Uh, Let me just resolve this because it's going to annoy me and it's going to spoil the program just when I'm getting into the juicy part. Don't go anywhere. One second. Hopefully that has resolved. Um, I don't know what's going on. My my microphone went from like being on a set volume to like going up and down. I don't know if you guys could notice it in the live chat. I'm going to have to bloody edit that now, aren't I, uh, for the podcast version. But anyway, let me get back to what I was saying. So I think there's a lot of things that we've kind of tried to um, look for in players when we go out into the market, right? I've mentioned them already, versatility, certain age profile, a certain level of experience. There have been other things as well that Mikel Arteta has been really big on and really keen on uh, and has seen as a bit of a non-negotiable, really, when it goes into um, when it comes into those kind of negotiations and identifying the players that we want. The thing that's bitten us in the arse a little bit, I think, is the fact that we've gone so big on versatility. Now, I wouldn't quite put it the way that Mark's put it in the chat. 
but I get where he's coming from. He says, I thought you were going to say that we've got loads of jack of all trades, but masters of none. I guess in a in a kind of way, that's what I'm saying. Um, but like, I, I wouldn't go as far as saying or, or using that phrase, jack of all trades, master of none, because I look at some of the players that we've got. So, for example, Tommy Asu. Let's take Tommy Asu. He's a really versatile player. He's a good example. Tommy Asu is someone that could play right back really competently, could play left back competently, and could play as a centre back competently. If Takahiro Tomiyasu was on the team sheet in any of those positions, I wouldn't be concerned. Not in the slightest. I wouldn't be worried. I wouldn't be going into the game stressed, um, you know, anxious about what we might see. I trust him to work in all of those positions. Jurian Timber is another example of a player um, that ticks these boxes in terms of versatility, right? Someone that can play right back, centre back, left back, no problem. You could even argue with Jurian Timber that you could push him into the midfield if you wanted as well. And that could work in theory. So it's not that I don't trust these guys in multiple positions. And it's not that I don't value their versatility. I think that's a really great trait to have. The problem is, is that when you try and cover multiple positions with one player, one injury can then leave you short in more than one area. Does that make sense? So let, let's 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 take it like this, right? If you can hear screaming outside, there's like a fox and a dog having a fight or something. I don't know what's going on in my next door neighbor's garden. Um, but anyway, if you've got players that cover you in multiple positions, so let, let's take the the two good examples of Tommy Asu and Timber, right? You went into the season and you go, okay, in terms of specialist centre backs, we have got Jakub Kivior backing up Saliba and Gabriel. But that's not a problem because you've got Timber who can back you up anywhere across the back line. You've got Tomiyasu who can back you up anywhere across the back line. And you've got Ben White who can play at centre-back as well. So although in terms of players that you have earmarked only as centre-backs in your squad, there's only three, there are other options, right? But if you're relying on Timber or Tomiyasu to be your cover at right-back and at left-back, one of them getting injured has a real big impact, a big significant impact, because you're now down to your bare bones, not just in one position, but in a multitude of positions. Versatility is great, but when you build a squad around that idea and that concept, there is a chance that you will be short in more than one area, having suffered only one injury. Now, I'm not saying that we've only suffered one injury this season. I'm well aware that we've suffered a lot of injuries. I'm well aware of how unlucky we've been with certain players. Thomas Partey comes into the season. I know people will say that we should have seen it coming, and I was one of those people that said that. But last season, he was available for 33 of our 38 league games. So was there a feeling? Did Arsenal kind of get sucked into this kind of false sense of security with Thomas Partey? Well, look, he seems to have come through the worst of it now because he was available for 33 of our 38 games last year. If so, I still think that's naive because the previous couple of years were so bad, in my opinion, with injuries that we should have been more on top of that, more alert uh, about that and more sort of open-minded to that possibility. We shouldn't have based the strategy around him being fit all the time because it just doesn't happen anywhere near often enough. But the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, if you 
if you think about it and, and look again, it's, it's not even that I agree with the approach. I'm just trying to get inside the manager's head. I'm trying to think about what he would have been thinking. So he would have thought I'd rather spend more money on certain players, players that will be of a higher caliber then try and cover loads of positions with the money I have available to me. So what I will do is I will try and find versatile players. So where people say Jurian Timber cost thirty-five million pounds, whatever it was, I can't remember the figure off the top of my head, but whatever the figure was, then you look at it and you go, "Is that a lot of money for Jurian Timber?" I don't think it is in in the case of Jurian Timber, but you look at it and you go, "Okay, I'm spending that money. I'm making that investment." not just on a right back or a left back or a center back. I'm making that investment on someone that can cover me in all those positions. So to the club, that investment is justified. When we signed Kai Havertz, I said to you guys at the time, before we even got linked with him, actually, if you go back to the one of the pods I did, it was like a summer wish list thing. I said that if Kai Havertz was available for a reasonable amount of money. Now, I don't think £65 million is a reasonable amount of money. I think we we paid way over the odds for him. Nobody's ever denied that. But I looked at Kai Havertz and I thought, he's a player that, you know, given we're talking about versatility, and that was very high on the agenda clearly last summer, I looked at him and I thought, you could come in and you could play as a centre-forward, you could play as a second striker, you could even play right or left if you really needed to, and you could probably play as an attacking midfielder without too much defensive responsibility um, if we needed you to do that as well. So I thought if you could pick him up for like £30 million, because I knew that you'd have to pay a, a little bit more given who you were signing him from and all the rest of it. I thought actually that might not be a bad bit of business. I think we certainly overpaid for Kai Havertz, but we've paid it now. And I'm not going to sit here and pull him apart every week and blame him for, for defeats that I don't think he's culpable for necessarily on an individual level. But I guess, and again, this is not my opinion. This is what I think the club would have gone through. And this is what I think maybe Mikel Arteta would have thought when sort of convincing Edu and co to kind of sign off on this deal. I think the thinking would have been, well, if Kai Havertz is going to come in and give us cover as a left number eight, as a centre forward, then it's like we're bringing in two players. So we don't mind spending that extra bit of investment. If you, Mikel, are happy with the idea of Kai Havertz covering you in a couple of positions, I don't mind sanctioning a bigger transfer fee, transfer spend, whatever. And again, I'm not even saying I agree with this. I'm just trying to break down the process I think probably occurred and the conversations I think probably happened when these deals were being signed off and when these deals were being sanctioned. So I've gone around the houses a little bit, but the point I'm trying to make is that in going for versatility, in putting our eggs in that basket, in being happy to spend more on individual players given the the knowledge that they could play in a multitude of positions. Yes, we have a group that is smaller than a lot of other groups. And I think Mikel Arteta likes that. I've talked about it before. I think it's something that he's, you know, he's, he's determined to have is that he's a smaller, more connected group. Um, you know, that can be a good thing in some cases, but it can also be exposed when you pick up a number of injuries, as we've seen 
in recent years and in recent times. But I think he was trying to think along the lines of, I've got to maximize what I can spend, but I also want to stick to my um, idea of having a smaller, more connected, um, more united group of players. I don't really want those types of players hanging around the place that are never getting a game. And we'll come on to the criticism that Mikel gets and has been getting a lot over the last couple of weeks about the use of the squad and the use of some of the players that are maybe on the fringes a little bit. We'll do that in a minute. But just to kind of round off and summarise this point, if you're going big on versatility and you look at players as a solution to multiple issues, when you lose those players, you are up shit street, is the point I'm trying to make. Because it doesn't matter how many positions you see them covering. Um, it, it's only one body. So when you lose that body, it has a domino effect on other areas. Take, for example, the left-back situation, right? I've been saying quite a bit that, you know, Jakub Kivior at left-back is, is a fourth-choice option, right? It would be Zinchenko, um, and not in any particular order. I know Mikel will, will change it depending on the game, but it will be Zinchenko, Tomiyasu, Timber, three options there that would all get in a game ahead of him, I would say, as a left-back. Now, as a centre-back, fine, different story. Kivio's probably competitive in terms of what he can deliver and, and how he's um, sort of seen at the football club. But in the left-back position, he's no doubt the fourth choice. But because of one injury to Jury and Timber, he's had to be promoted into a, a higher position when it comes to the pecking order of the left-back role. You look on the right-hand side because of the injury to Jury and Timber, Ben White can't get a break now. Tommy Asu, we knew he was going to the Asian Cup. I don't know what's going on um, with Tommy Asu because I read earlier on today, and I haven't checked this up, by the way. I probably should do that now before I sit and talk about it on a podcast. Is it right that he was not in the squad at all? Not in the 23-man squad? Um that played earlier today and won 4-2 against Vietnam. It is right. He wasn't in the squad at all. Is that a recurrence of the injury? Oh, that's all we need. But again, it, do you get the point I'm trying to make? Like, let me know in the comments. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you think I'm talking out of my backside? Do you think I'm overthinking this? I just, I was thinking about it last night and I thought, if you're reliant on sort of these versatile players and you're going through your team looking through each position, assessing the options you have, but there are players whose names are under multiple positions. When you lose that player, you end up losing cover in three or four areas, which can have quite a big impact. So while it might be a good way of, of investing, um, you know, within your means and making sure that, um, you know, you're getting the best possible players for the money you have, you're still not actually adding maybe enough bodies to the picture. And therefore, when you do pick up a few injuries, you look short. That's that's what I've been thinking about. I think it's particularly true at the back. I think it's particularly true at the back. I think as well, you can use the example of, of Kai Havertz too, because, you know, for, for me, Kai Havertz, when he's played as a centre forward for Arsenal, he hasn't been amazing. Um, you know, I think he's finishing has left a lot to be desired at times, particularly in that Liverpool game recently. But, I thought he was effective in terms of the build-up. I thought he was more effective than Eddie Nketiah would have been in the build-up. And I think that's why he was selected. 
I think that selection was justified in that sense. But there have been times where you've not been able to use Kai Havertz as a, a, a different option up front because Fabio Vieira has been injured, Emil Smith-Rowe has been injured, Leandro Trossard as a left centre midfielder doesn't really convince me. And so, yeah, you might have done it with the intention of thinking, I don't need to go and buy another striker because Kai Havertz is going to give me something different. That's something different to what Enketia and Jesus offer. But if you're also using him to cover another position and that position is a problem, then that has a knock-on effect. Do you see what I'm trying to say? So do we have enough bodies in the building of the standard that we require? I would argue no. I think when everyone's fit, we've got a good squad. And I think we've got a squad that gives the manager options because of the versatility of so many of these players, because it can help us to be unpredictable. But do we have enough bodies? I don't think we do, because I think we've gone down this road of prioritising versatility over the number of bodies. Now, that might be something that we felt we had to do because of, um, you know, what some of these players are costing nowadays. But I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I keep going around in circles on this in my head, but that's kind of what I was thinking last night, what I've been thinking throughout the day. And I wanted to share it with you guys and get your thoughts in the live comments as well. Um, we're going to take a really, really short pause and then I'm going to dive into the live comments. So don't go anywhere. Uh, leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. Subscribe to the channel if you're brand new. And if you're listening on audio, please do leave us a review. I'll be back in just a second. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. <laughs> Okay, let's see what you guys are saying in the live chat. Uh, um, uh, this one's a little bit off of what we were discussing, like a little bit off topic, but we'll do it anyway. Peter says, how do you feel about the club's business acumen when you assess their approach to this transfer window? Well, it's not off topic in terms of the fact we're talking about transfers, but um, look, I mean, I have said for a long time that we were in danger of getting to this point and arriving in this place where we are restricted on what we can spend. Now, I'm not one that sits here and, and is full of regret because I think we needed to spend the money that we have spent to get to a place where we were um, competitive again. Could we have spent it right uh, or, or differently and, and more effectively? Probably. And, I'm also conscious of, you know, being in the right space where I can be critical of decisions that I think were wrong. So I don't think we needed to sign David Raya. I don't think that we needed to spend, or even if we haven't paid it yet, I don't think we needed to put ourselves in a position where we'd basically committed to paying 30 odd million pounds for a goalkeeper when we had one who was just as good. I don't think we needed to do that personally. Um, do I regret them spending 100 million on Declan Rice? Absolutely not. Do I regret them, um, you know, uh, spending 65 million on Kai Havertz? Ask me at the end of the season. Um, you know, I, th I think that he's been a decent addition to the group, but I'm happy to say that in my view, we overpaid. And that, that's where people get a little bit frustrated, I think, and start to go, well, hold on a minute. We could have bought a striker. We could have done this. We could have done that. And that brings me on to another question that I put out on Twitter earlier. Got some really interesting responses to, and I want to put to you guys here on the podcast as well. In terms of the business acumen, I just think that when you 
start from the position that we did where you had to move out so much dead wood and you were just loss, uh, making loss after loss after loss. Um, you know, not getting in Europe that season didn't help us at all, um, you know, for sure. I think when you're coming from that position, you're always going to have to recover and at some point you're going to hit a bit of a brick wall. I think if we can sustain our Champions League status for a few years now, we'll get into a position where this isn't a problem anymore because the revenue has increased so significantly over the last sort of um, year or so. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that this is just a, a consequence of, of bad management previously and something that we've been putting off and putting off and putting off, but we were never going to be able to dance completely around. The Premier League have also become a lot stricter, haven't they, on, in terms of implementing this stuff, um, which, you know, makes a difference too. Uh, we've seen how Everton have been punished. Nobody wants that. Um, and I think Arsenal would have done what they'd done in the summer, knowing actually that they were going to be in this position come January. They wouldn't have said it, obviously. Um, but I think a little bit of common sense from us as fans would have told us, you know, maybe even a year ago, two years ago, that the spending, 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 which we mentioned on this pod on a number of occasions, was at some point going to have to slow down. Okay, uh, what else have we got? Uh, Ian Wallace says, I completely agree. I'd go for a six specialist. Rice can be a number eight and we need a poacher or an attacker on the wing. Um, Halo says, isn't training a good way to make a player more versatile? Joe Linton is a good example. The biggest attacker flop and then through training, a brilliant midfielder. Yeah, of course, but the player's got to have the ability to be adaptable. So Joe Linton obviously is a talented footballer. Um, he was being used in a position that he'd done really well in prior to joining Newcastle. But for whatever reason in the Premier League, it didn't work out. Um, and rather than feeding him to the Wolves, Newcastle got creative, tried to figure out you know, what his strengths are, maybe what his weaknesses are, and tried to find a, a more suitable role. It's a bit like what we did with Granit Xhaka. You know, a player that came in, constantly criticised, not good enough to play defensive midfield in the opinion of most. And Mikel Arteta goes, hold on a minute, let me figure out then what it is that he brings to my team, what the good things are. And I'll try and put him in an environment where he's more likely to use his strengths than be forced into his weaknesses. And, and that's what we did. Um, so I think that can happen. Yeah, but I think what the, the point I was trying to make earlier is that I think going into the summer, a lot of the thinking was, oh, I don't need another right back because I've got a player that can play right back, centre back, left back. I don't need another left back because I've got two right backs that can also play left back. Do you see what I mean? I don't need another this because I've got that. I don't need another striker. I don't need another big man up top option that's different to what I have because I'm bringing Kai Havertz in. Yeah, but if you've got a problem at left eight and Kai Havertz has to play there, then that takes away your ability to use him in another way. Do you see what I'm trying to say? So the only way that versatility comes into play, really, and, and gives you the flexibility that maybe they dreamed it would, is if everything's going well and everything's going right and there are no problems within your ranks. The minute you start to get problems, the advantage that you thought you gained by signing versatile players disappears because they're no longer being utilised in a variety of ways. They're now a left centre midfielder, like Kai Havertz has become. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Uh, what else have we got? 
Uh, uh, Mark Jerome says, does this versatility fit with the fact that Arteta likes working with a smaller squad, which is going to leave you short when injuries occur? Absolutely. Um, I know you put that comment in uh, before uh, before I made that point, but yeah, completely agree with you. Um, Matt says, uh, do you think he considered this approach on the idea that he could spread the versatility across positions, i.e. moving Jesus to the wing, Havertz up top, Zinchenko to the midfield? Again, yeah. And that's great in theory. And I understand why in theory you can fall into that trap. But there's no... like Bukayo Saka needs a rest, okay? We, we've all said that for a long time. We're too heavily reliant on this young man. And there is a danger and a risk that we're going to burn him out. I like Gabriel Jesus from the right wing. When he played against City earlier this season on the right wing, I thought that was one of his best games this season. I thought he was really good. Really effective, really direct, took people on, committed people, got to the byline plenty of times. Brilliant. But when you don't have a good enough centre forward to have that luxury of taking him out of there and shaking it up, then it's kind of pointless. Do you see the point I'm making? So versatility is great and something that all players should aspire to, to be able to do, I think, to a degree, to a point. Specialist players are great as well. It's 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 nicer in your brain than the reality, if that makes sense. Um, Mr. Adam says the problem with our players is that is that they are like a piece of a puzzle and are set up to interlock with each other. They're system players. We need players who are elite without needing a system, i.e., KDB. We're going to do the debrief tomorrow, and we're going to talk about Manchester City in quite a bit of detail. Kevin De Bruyne is just unreal. Um, the guy is unreal. The guy is a special, special talent. And, you know, he is a difference maker. Last season, you looked at this Arsenal team and you thought Saka's a difference maker. And you thought Martinelli was a difference maker. And Odegaard was a difference maker. And Jesus was a difference maker. Even Partey was a difference maker. Saliba at the back was a difference maker. Aaron Ramsdale making great saves was a difference maker. At times, Zinchenko going into midfield and helping us unpick difficult defences was a game changer. We had so much. And I, I can't put my finger on why so many of these players have just dropped off in terms of their individual level. It's why I'm not here saying Arteta out, because I don't think that's fair. I think he'll be as baffled as anybody as to why players that showed so much last season haven't been able to replicate that. But I do think he has some responsibility for that as well, because as I've mentioned on previous episodes, I don't think we've been moving the ball through the lines quickly enough. I don't think we've been good enough at getting them into one-on-one -on -one situations from which they can do damage. But then I say all that, and you look at the number of chances we're creating, the XG and all the stuff that you could use to measure that kind of thing. And, you, and actually, the problem seems to be the finishing and applying that finishing touch, which again, circling back around, is on the individual. It's on the individual. If you want to take it up a level, you can say, well, the manager should know that maybe what we saw last season was a bit of a purple patch when it comes to a lot of these players. Can they sustain that? Are they able to deliver that year after year after year? Because that's the difference between being a Gabriel Martinelli and a Mohamed Salah. The ability to deliver over and over and over again. 
Okay. Um, Geordie Gooner says, uh, evening H, been a refreshing, stress-free weekend as a Gooner this week. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, what else have we got in the chat? Let's pick up a few more. Um, Halo makes a good point. He says, uh, Liverpool are playing a 4-3-3 system and have throughout the years been heavily serviced uh, in the t- form of assists and goals by their fullbacks. Is that an area where we're lacking something? We did a video, we did an episode um, a few weeks back, I think it was now. Let me just um, check it out so I can tell you exactly when it was. And the episode was titled, uh, hold on, let me find it. This was back on uh, the 2nd of January. Why Arsenal are struggling for goals. And it wasn't the main point that I made. But one of the points I made was about the fullbacks. That if you've got inverted wingers and you've got inverted fullbacks, there are going to be times where you don't have enough width. And if your fullbacks are starting in a position, so you go forward, you attack, and as part of your um, plan to prevent yourself being exposed on the transition, one of or both of your fullbacks step into the middle of the pitch because that's the area you want to protect first then you're limiting their ability to then read a situation and also have the legs to then get from the inside position to the outside and overlap a winger to give them that overload and maybe get in behind to the byline, whatever. It does happen from time to time in this Arsenal side, but it doesn't happen as much as it does with Liverpool. It doesn't happen as much as it does with other sides. So I certainly agree that what we've done is gone really big and heavy on um, giving our wingers freedom, having two free midfield players who can drift into attacking positions rather than just the one who has that bit of license. But in order to to allow that and to maintain the balance, we've we've been more conservative with our fullbacks. Maybe we need to change it up now. Maybe it's become a little bit predictable. Maybe um, you know we need to we need to rethink it. G Weber says, Harry, you said a good squad, but isn't the goal to have an elite squad to compete at the very highest level? Yeah, of course. You know, you want to have an elite squad. You want to have players like Kevin De Bruyne in your side, don't you? Who doesn't? Um, the guy is phenomenal. The guy is phenomenal. He's been superb for years and he came off the bench yesterday and you just knew he was going to make a difference. There's an inevitability about somebody like Kevin De Bruyne. Um, Pep Guardiola inherited Kevin De Bruyne specifically, I think. Um, But then he's gone and got players like Bernardo Silva. You know, Ilkay Gundogan was a difference maker for a long time as well. So, you know, I don't think we've spent as much money as City have um, since Guardiola took over under Arteta. I don't think we're anywhere near it. I think we spent about half. But we have spent a lot of money. So I understand why people look at the squad and go, well, there are holes. And why are there holes? There shouldn't be holes. Look at what we've spent and all the rest of it. So, yeah, it's it's it's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. And I think when you have a break like this, it, it leads you to, to doing a lot of soul searching. At times, it can be overthinking as well. I do appreciate that. Um, you know, I think that there's been a massive reaction to some of the recent results that at points I think was unjust. Um but, you know, if we go back next Saturday and we don't pick up 
three points against Crystal Palace and we end up in a position where we really are in a race for the top four rather than one of the three title contenders, then then you've got a problem, haven't you? And people are going to be well within their, their rights to look at the season and go, rather than progressing, we've regressed. So, yeah. Guys, um, is anybody interested in joining me? I, I know this sounds like a bit of a plea, <laughs> um, but I'll only I'll put a link in if if anybody's interested. If you're not, then I won't. Um, but if people are interested in in jumping on, having their say for a few minutes and then, you know, we'll get give other people a chance as well. Uh, then I'm more than happy to drop a link in the chat. Uh, let me know and I will do that if you say yes in the chat box. If you don't, don't worry about it. We'll do a dedicated phone-in show because I realized I didn't give anybody any warning about this. Um, I just said I'm going live. And then just as I was hitting the live button, I thought, oh, you know, it might be nice. Uh, get people get people on. Um, Benjamin says, respectively, I'm struggling to understand the point that you're trying to make. If we have more versatile players, surely that better covers us for injuries and suspensions. We've just been unlucky with the left back and left eight position. I think it's the Champions League. Most of our underperforming players in the league are doing great in the CEL. Um, the point I'm trying to make is not that it's a bad thing to have versatile players. Let me just clear it up. It's, it's not that I think it's a bad thing to have versatile players. I think it's a good thing. But it's only a good thing if you have enough bodies. So if you have lots of versatile players, but not enough bodies to the point where if as a squad, you've got three or four injuries, you're on your knees, then, then that doesn't work. Do you see what I'm trying to say? So let's take, for example, Tommy Asu. He's a really good example in recent years of one that we brought in because he could play in different positions, but he's been unfit so much of the time that we've been forced to play Ben White over and over again. When does Ben White ever get a break and get a rest? And I think his levels drop because as we keep hearing, he's been, he's been getting, um, you know, he's been carrying an injury. So like a player like Tommy Asu, his versatility helps you when he's fit and when he's available. But when he's not, you're now short in more than one position because you banked on him to provide you the cover for more than one position. So the point, a sort of top line way of putting this point across is versatility is great, but not at the expense of having enough bodies. And that's that's the point. Okay, you know what? I'm going to put the link in the chat. There we go. Um, I've pinned, let me pin it to the top of the comments. How do I do that? Hold on. I need to figure out how to do this now. God's sakes. Yeah, I'm not the most techie person. Um, I'm sure you guys have noticed that, by the way, that have been uh, on here for a little while. Can I? I don't even have my phone with me to do it. Hold on a second. Let me go in here. Um, let me go into the creator page, I think, on YouTube or whatever it's called. And I'm pretty sure from there I'll be able to pin it. Don't forget, by the way, leave a like on the video. What's going on? We're slacking on likes in comparison to how many people are watching. So please do uh, leave a like on the video, subscribe, all the rest of it. It really, really does help. Um, I wanted to bring you guys a little bit of a channel update as well. Um, because we're going to be doing things a little bit differently going forward. Um, by the way, join, join the link if you want to join while I just put this message out. Um, it turns out from sort of speaking to people that I've been doing YouTube wrong uh, for a while, actually. 
Um, one of the things with YouTube is that it's very algorithm based and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And by posting one long stream per day, we're not really maximizing the content that we're making. So you will find going forward that there will be additional videos. So if you go back on the channel, you'll have noticed the other day we spoke uh, with Max Jones and later on that day, we posted a cut down one particular segment on one particular subject. Now, that isn't going to happen for those of you that are listening on audio. I realize that you don't want that. You don't want a ton of episodes dropping in your, your inbox um, because, you know, you're going to listen to one full length episode podcast um, format. And the way you consume that is very different. But YouTube works differently as well. So going forward, you'll get the full episodes like this. We'll live stream them but then there will be cut downs being posted on the channel as well. Now, the way you can spot a full episode is on the thumbnail top left, it will say full episode. Anything that doesn't say full episode is a cut down um, from the full episode, basically. That is focused and honed in on a particular subject that we discussed. And that's just trying to maximize uh, the channel, maximize its reach, etc., etc. Alistair says, are you going to do 8 a.m. daily? No chance. Because uh, I could never be up, ready, and uh, prepared for a podcast at 8 a.m. It's just impossible. Um, Lynn says, so Harry, are you saying that if you have 11 good players, but these players can play three different positions, it cuts you down from 11 to three and a half? What I'm saying is that if you're someone that is relied upon for more than one position and then you pick up an injury, well, then the team's in trouble because it's not only impacting one position. That's the point I'm trying to make. Okay, let's bring in uh, a couple of our listeners. Um, remember, if you want to join us, there is a link pinned in the chat, in the live chat. You need to click on it. Make sure your camera's positioned nicely or whatever. Try and make sure there's no background noise around you um, because for those that are listening on audio, that would be a nightmare. And I'll bring you all in um, as soon as I possibly can. Let's bring in uh, George. Uh, where Where is he? Hold on a second. George, there we Hello. go. How's it going, mate? You all right? Yeah, very well. How are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. Where are you joining us from? Uh, from North London. Oh, nice. Down the road then, not too far. Absolutely, yes. Not too far. Uh, what I'm going to do as well, uh, bear with me a second, I'm going to bring in uh, Edu, who's uh, waiting to come in as well. Not the Edu, I don't think. If it is, he might be able to give us some transfer news. Edu from Angola, how are you doing? Wow. I'm fine, are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. How's how's things in Angola? Is uh, Afcon fever uh, at a high? Yeah, yet? yeah, 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 yeah. There's Afcon fever, but we are good. Thank, good happy man. to be with you once in a lifetime, man. I'm a long time Arsenal fan. So do Arsenal from Angola. Nice one, man. A pleasure to have you on. Thank you both uh, for joining. Remember, if you want to join us as well throughout the remainder of the show, click on the link in the live chat, and we'll get through as many people as we can. George. Um, have you been listening to the show so far? Have I been talking out of my backside? What do you, what do you think about this idea yeah. of versatility being not a problem for us, but actually being the cause of why maybe we're a little bit short at times, just not enough bodies in the building? No, I don't I don't disagree at all. I think the the whole parte injury is is a big impact on us, to be honest, because obviously you bring in Declan Rice for a massive fee, and rightly so, he's absolutely mustered. Um, but my thought process is, and I left a comment on Twitter, was Rice was brought in as the Granite Xhaka replacement, the left number eight. 
I mean, there's not much better lone sixes than Thomas Partey in the Premier League when he's on job. Um, and him getting injured, which was obviously quite unexpected, obviously means you have to reshuffle. And to me, Akai Havertz is a cherry on top of the cake sort of signing. Um when really we probably could have done with a specialist left number eight who would contribute to more to more output. Um, but with Kai specifically, I really do see what he gives us, especially off the ball. Um, I looked at City, obviously have won many Premier Leagues consecutively, uh, and they identified a specific situation when they can't play through teams, they can't play around teams, they need to find a way to play over teams. And obviously Haaland... Harlan can do that for them as well as doing everything else. To me, that is the sort of role that they see Kai at Arsenal doing because he's so physically good. However, when you don't have a Madison next to an Odegaard, that type of player to play in the pockets naturally, because Kai is not naturally good in the pockets, um, I think against a low block, we do suffer a little bit. Let me ask you both this, um, and I'll come to you, Edu, first on this. If Kai Havertz didn't come to the football club, which was the question that I put out on Twitter earlier on, let me just reiterate the question for those that um, that didn't see the post. So basically the question I asked was that I know there's plenty of debate around that signing in particular. And I am one of the first people to say 65 million pounds over the top, right? We probably shouldn't have paid that. Um, but given that Thomas Partey has been out pretty much all season, if Kai Havertz wasn't available to us, who would you have had playing as the left eight? Would you have gone and signed, as George suggests, the specialist left eight? Would it have been Rice and Jorginho? Would it have been Fabio Vieira? Would it have been Emil Smith-Rowe? Because there's lots of talk about, you know, Arsenal spending the money on Kai Havertz and then not being able to sign a striker. But I actually think in a weird way, without wanting to say he's been amazing, because he hasn't, but in a weird way, I think Kai Havertz has helped us out in a position that I don't really think he was brought in to play. Is that fair, Edu? Uh, it's, it's fair, but the thing is, that we don't have that time. And I don't understand. What I don't understand is that in Arsenal you team, I strongly believe that we have some guys who can do the same job that Kai Herbert is doing. I remember, I think two seasons ago, when Arsenal was in a bad form, Everybody remember what uh, Emi Smith-Rowe did in Chelsea. I still think the problem we have is that he's not getting enough chance to prove his worth again. If you can give him that chance to prove him what he can do that job for us. And uh, everybody's talking about uh, uh, one, uh, that, the young, young guy from our youth team now. We are not giving our youth team a chance. We still bought rice, which is a good sign, and everybody knows it. But at least we have to give them chance to prove their worth. Look at what Manchester uh, Guardiola did yesterday when they bring that young man of 20 years old. So giving them confidence will prove a better thing. The problem as now is having now. I think if I'm in the shoe of us right now, I will go for a striker and then manage what we have in our team. Amy Smith-Rose can do it. He can do it more than Robert is doing that job. I prefer pushing, putting Amy Smith-Rose into that middle. But the, 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 thing, uh, is there, though, the, the thing is with Emil Smith-Rowe, and, and I'll ask George on this as well, 
I don't think at any point this season we've been able to rely on the guy to stay fit. And even now, when he's back in the picture, what has he got in the tank? 15, 20 minutes at best? Now, I know people will counter-argue that and say, well, if he doesn't play, how is he meant to build the fitness up? But, I mean, George, I, I look at him. I look at Fabio Vieira, who's been out for ages. I don't think we do have a solution within the squad for that position. We've tried Trossard there. I don't think that works. Um, I don't think it gives us enough bite in midfield, enough physicality. It doesn't help us defensively in any way. Um, so I, I take the point about Emil Smith-Rowe, but if I were Mikel Arteta under pressure, I wouldn't be pinning my hopes on him. I don't know what you think. No, I don't I don't think you can pin your hopes on Emil. I love Emil. I think he's a very, very talented footballer. But the injury that he had and the relapses that he's had with that in that specific injury, it, it means it's very difficult to rely on him. Um, and I think going back to what I probably would have done in the window is a specialist number eight who, again, like Madison, who I named earlier, also doesn't have a specifically good injury record. Um, but I, I think someone who can play out wide, but also in the pockets. For me, uh, like a Mohamed Kudos, for example, who we were linked to quite heavily. Top player, pretty, pretty reliable uh, and is getting really good output. Uh, at West Ham so um, there were definitely options out there um, but I don't think Arteta foresaw what was going on with uh, with Thomas Partey so I think there's a bit of luck involved I also think that um, when it comes to someone like Zinchenko who gets quite a lot of criticism for his defensive work he relied a lot on Granit Xhaka's ability to cover him uh, in that left I guess that left pocket which I personally think Declan Rice would have been great at if he was had the chance to play as in left number eight. Yeah. Um, so I think that's also hindered Zinchenko's game as well. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think it's a great point. I think that um, you know when you look at you look at Zinchenko defensively, you know from the very first day he arrived at Arsenal, we knew defensively he wasn't up to it. But we would trade that off for what we knew he would bring in terms of creativity from a deep area. And with Granit Xhaka, we were able to to do that. And again, this is where it's all off, right? And it all has a knock-on effect because you then have to put Kai Havertz. I, I, I'm convinced that Kai Havertz didn't come in to play as a left eight. I, I thought, I think that there was the idea that he could in certain game states against certain teams, um, against certain opposition, fine. But I don't think it was a plan that we had in place to, to activate every week. But in playing him there, which he has to play at the moment because of the, the lack of options, you're putting essentially a guy that's been a centre-forward for most of his career and you're asking him to cover a left fullback, and it's never going to happen. So you expose the weaknesses of Zinchenko even more. So again, it goes back to that point of relying on versatility is great, but as someone used in the, the, the phrase in the chat, you do end up sometimes using sort of jacks of all trades that turn out to be masters of none when it comes to certain elements of the game. And that upsets the balance. Do you agree, Edu, or disagree? Uh, I agree, but the, but the problem we have, you know that we are unlucky this season because of injury to Timber. If we if Timber is available, I think uh, in this situation, we may play Shevchenko in that middle, in that number eight. Which, which I believe he can do a good job because this is the position he plays in his national team. But because of the injury to Timber, so I don't see... I cannot blame Atate much on that area because we don't have any option. But we need bodies. Yeah. More than that, person needs to be. 
Yeah, we need bodies for sure. This point about sort of some of the youth players, I know, you know, people will point to to Pep Guardiola and as an example. They'll even look at Jurgen Klopp. He brought a young right back on, didn't he? Um, and another young lad in midfield against us in the FA Cup. And they came on and did fine. The right back, especially, his name escapes me at the minute, but he did a really good job of like just dealing with the threat that Martinelli started to bring when he came onto the pitch. But when your team is functional, generally, then you can do that. You can bring players in and plug them in and give them an opportunity. I've covered a fair few of our under-21 games um, over the last couple of seasons. And I've got to be honest, guys, I don't see anybody that I look at and think you are ready for the step up to first team football. Now, the argument you can make is, well, we've got Enketia in the group. We've got Saka in the group. Uh, you know, the, Emil Smith-Rowe, these are players that did come through our academy. But today, is our academy ready to start pushing players? I don't think it is, George. I, maybe it's me being sort of a bit of a pessimist, but I just don't see it. Well, I think there's two things. The one player that I would say potentially could be ready is Charlie Patino, but obviously he's out on loan. Uh, he's doing a great job. Um, but also, you've got to look at who you're competing against. I mean, you're competing against a team who have won, just won the treble. Um, quite possibly the best team that's ever graced a prayer. I think we've lost George there. He's just frozen. <laughs> we'll, we'll bring George back in just a second. Okay, as I... As as I'm I'm trying to say the same thing because if you are following Chris Pochino for now, you know that the guy is a good a good midfielder and they yeah. can help us. They can help us. I don't understand what is the problem with bringing him back. I don't know the condition of his loan. I could have preferred bring bring him back and look for a good striker that will help. As now doing well, they are playing good football. They are good to watch. Do you not think, Eddie, though? Do you not do you not think though if we brought Patino back in? I'll bring George back in in a minute. We just lost you there for a minute, mate. I don't know what happened. Um, but with Patino, like he's playing at Swansea, right? We were not doing particularly well in the championship this season. I, 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 he's only started 50% of their games in the championship this season. So is there not an argument that says if you're only playing 50% of the games, and I don't know if that's down to injuries. I think he has had a bit of a problem, but there's been a few where he's just been on the bench. There's one, two, three, four games where he's not been picked as a starter. I look at that and I think, well, then are you ready to play for Arsenal Football Club? Because if we're sitting there saying that Kai Havertz wasn't good enough for Arsenal, a player that's won the Champions League, etc., then then we're coming up with the argument of let's bring Charlie Patino in and you start to think, well, hold on a minute, which one is it? Do you know what I mean? Uh, sometimes you have to know that when somebody's playing with natural, what we would like call it, a team you love, it's a different ball game. Yeah. And with the people in the team that can help him, we give him another confidence. That is the reason why he's, he's born and brought up as an academy. So he knows what it takes to play for us now. So I strongly believe he will do well with the help of some big boys over there. He will do well. Yeah. And with the I, help I of the kids. I hope he does. I hope he does. Um, he's, George, a, he's, a, bring... he's, a, he's a good talent. He's a good talent. Yeah, he is. All he, he is. needs is confidence. Yeah, maybe that is it. Maybe he needs more experience, more confidence. I think he needs to bulk up a little bit as well. Um, if he's going to sit in the midfield for Arsenal. George, let me bring you back in. You were making a great point about who we're competing against, which I think is forgotten by some people at certain points when they're discussing their expectations of Arsenal. 
um and then the connection yeah, went, so go ahead that's the thing i mean when we probably over achieved last season in terms of where we were at in arteta's project um but if you compare us to to who we're fighting against you've got city have just won the treble quite possibly the best premier league team of all time and liverpool who have a world-class manager in club and have obviously had him for a longer time than arteta's been at arsenal so it's very easy to say in hindsight um don't send these players these young players out oh we've lost him again we've lost him again in the middle of a great point <laughs> okay if, if i'm continuing from what you're saying it is true. It is true. Like last year, when we are having problem at the end of the season, I always argue with people and tell them, from the beginning of the season, if somebody asks you to put all your heart that as now we win, as now we qualify in top four, as now we're being top four, can you do it? The answer is no. So yes, we develop to a top team within two seasons. Some of us have forgotten where we come from. Yeah, but the truth is this. The, the, the truth is this. Whenever you are doing well in whatever you are doing, you expect more. So we expecting more. It has been long. It's now getting to 20 years. We are not one league. So that is the main problem. And when we are seeing it as it look like it's not in that business part of it that you say that Arsenal is doing well now. Because we are not we are not selling much. We are just growing players to see how it will work. But what I would I would think, we need bodies in that building to make this team a great team. At least to give rest. Like last time I followed the Arsenal news, I know I heard that uh, Ben White has injury. So it's yep. been nothing injury for more than three or four weeks now. Managing to help the team to do it because we don't have bodies in the team. You need to give people rest because... When when the injury is worse, then we will complain. So we have to try and get some bodies to help the team do well. No, absolutely. Completely agree. Edu, thank you so, so much for joining me, mate. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, when I come to Angola, I'll give you a shout. No problem. You are free. Whenever you are coming, I will welcome you. <laughs> you enjoy it. You are welcome. Yeah. Even no, I, 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 I'm trying to, I have tried to purchase us now original jersey because to get it here is too difficult for us. So I don't know if you can help me. I you have tried some time. You give me a shout Original. when you're coming. Come again? You give me a shout when you're coming. Let me know. When? Did you say you're going to come to England? Is that what you're saying? No, I, no, I said I will. Yes, yes, I, I, I will try to apply the visa this year because I, I have planned to come to Europe, to visit Europe. It has been long, so... Whenever I'm ready for that, I guess. But what I'm saying is that I need us now original JC. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Send so me a I don't message. Know. Send me a message. Okay, okay. Send Thank me a you, message. Do, do you that. have Twitter? Do you have Twitter? Yes, I have Twitter, but I'm not used to it. But I will send you a message on there. Send me a message and I'll and I'll help you out with that. Okay. Thank you. Nice one, mate. Thank you very much, Edu. Cheers. Thank you. That was Eddie joining us from Angola. Let's bring George back in. George, third time lucky. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, yes. Go on, mate. You were talking, um, I think we were on, were we on Patino? Or were we, we on? We, we were briefly talking about Patino, but yeah. I was sort of just referencing the fact that Liverpool and City are so good. Yeah. Um, so the expectations that Arsenal fans have because of our overachievements last season is very high. Um and yeah, that's just sort of what we were talking about. Yeah, and it's true, isn't it? Like, 
the bar gets higher as you progress. And if it's not getting higher, then you got a problem. So we should be happy that we're aiming for the stars now and all the rest of it. But, you know, I think there needs to be a bit of realism as well. And I think, you know, when people were saying at the end of last season, this is why they were so gutted was because it felt like a real big chance. It was a real big chance, wasn't it? But a chance doesn't mean anything unless you're good enough to take it. Yeah, And I sure. always say this to people, you know, like I was talking to someone the other day, um, a good friend of mine who um, was like, he was working towards something. He wanted to qualify in something and an opportunity came up for a job and he went for it and he didn't get it. And then he was like, oh, you know, I missed my chance. And I said, no, because you obviously weren't ready to take the chance. So it's not a chance then, is it really? It's for sure. It's a hope. It's an ambition. If you're not ready to take something, then what is it? It's nothing really. So you need to be in the position to be able to capitalize when those opportunities come along and you need everything to marry up. And unfortunately in life, it doesn't always work like that. And for us, it didn't. I mean, like if you're taking out Saliba and you're bringing in Rob Holding, and with yep. all respect to Rob Holding, he's a great professional, but it it changes the whole way we Arteta's Arsenal wanted to play. We had to, instead of playing a high line and and a high press, we couldn't, we weren't able to do that. Um, yeah. And and especially with Tomiyasu being out as well. Um, so so I think we progressed in quite a linear way, um, and I think Arteta would probably agree. Um, it's just the injuries have killed us again. And yeah. for some for some reason, I think because of the oh sorry my dogs. It's all right, it's all good. <laughs> uh, you can tell I'm speaking to you. Um, I think because of how specific the way Arteta wants to play, it makes it very difficult when you take a cog out of a system yeah. to to bring someone else in who can do an exactly the same job. It's just not it's just not feasible for Arsenal if you compare it to I don't know what Postecoglou is doing at Spurs. They're yeah. still playing the same way with different players, even though they've got injuries. We can't we can't do that to the same standard. Yeah, but they they also have massive vulnerabilities as well. Like for sure. he plays. I was watching the game today. Um, we're going to wrap it up now, but just one final point. He tried to play with Pedro Poro playing like a kind of inverted role, but the problem with that is then when you get caught in that position, and Man United look up from midfield and ping a ball over the top of Poro because he's not a Ben White, Tommy Asu style fullback where he's got that physical sort of height and and all of that stuff, it's very easy to drop a ball over his head and get the opposition in. So there are vulnerabilities as well, you know, to, to Ange Postacoglu's side. And yeah, they've been getting results for the most part, but you look at them and they don't convince you when you watch them in a game. So I, I think people need to, like, that comparison needs to stop being made because Tottenham can lose three games on the spin as they did and nobody bats an eyelid because there's no expectation there. Whereas with us, you know, having gone so close last year, it's, oh my God, if they drop any points, it's the end of the world and it's a big old deal. So yeah, that's the difference, isn't it? Um, George, thank you so, so much for joining me, mate. Really, really appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Thank you for having me on. No problem, mate. Catch you soon. Take care. All the best. Take care. That was the brilliant George there. Um, okay, uh, we are going to wrap it up. We've been going for over the hour. Uh, thank you uh, to George and Edu for jumping on at the last minute. Uh, via the link in the live chat. Really, really do appreciate it. And I love getting the opportunity to speak to some of you guys as well. It's definitely something we should be doing more uh, on the channel. So just a quick recap, the versatility point. Gonna uh, want you to go back and listen to that if you didn't make the beginning of the show because I think it's a real valid point. I know that I didn't explain it in the most 
clear and articulate way um, initially. So I had to go over it a few times, but I think in the end I got the point across. Um, please do like the video, subscribe to the channel if you're brand new. There will be a video um, on the versatility point that goes out on the channel. It will be a, a segment from this episode, but if you could, because we're trying to kind of train the YouTube algorithm um, that we're going to put shorter videos out at times as well, even though you've seen it, I'm sure if you've watched this episode or listened to this episode, if you could go into that video when it's released tomorrow morning, leave a like on it and leave a comment, even if it's just a thumbs up, that will really, really help me and really, really help the growth of the channel. So uh, bear that in mind. Thank you all so, so much for joining me once again. I will see you all next time with more. Until the next one, have a great evening. Goodbye. Goodbye.